welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Today, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs, and we're in the Bible series called Route 66, A Road Trip Through the Bible, 66 books of the Bible, and uh, we, have, we have been informed and blessed and learned for the lives of David and uh, Daniel, uh, Joseph, Jonah last week, and today, we're going to make a road stop in the book of Proverbs, and we're going, to, we're going to be blessed by a female today. And, um, but uh, I want to know, can anyone guess her name? What are some of the famous females in the Bible? What, what anyone guess her name? Just say some of the famous females. I bet no one will guess it. Let me do it that way. So Esther, who else? Ruth, Deborah. Okay, all right. Mary Magdalene. <laughs> yeah, okay. No. Her name, listen to this. Her name is Wisdom. Wisdom is a, is, is called, is a she, is a female. Her name is Wisdom. And in the third chapter of the book of Proverbs, uh, there's a, the picture of this, of of a sage or of parental advice and of speaking to a son or a daughter as they begin to embark on life's journeys as an adult. And the book of Proverbs is different from any other book in the Bible because for so much of the Old Testament, it was thou shalt or thou shalt not or thus saith the Lord and you'd better obey, right? And how many know there's nothing wrong with that? But when you get to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is given in the tone of talking with a young adult where you can, no longer you cannot say to them, you've got to be in bed by 8.30 at night. How many know that? You know, when you're a kid, you're going to bed at 7.30 tonight, or this, this is what's going to happen to you. No. Once your children reach adulthood, or that place of being a young adult, you talk with them in terms of good choices, bad choices, poor choices, choices that will, are wise and choices that will honor the Lord. And so the book of Proverbs is like that. It was, it was an honored way of speaking in those ancient cultures. Now just stand with me for a minute because this will help us understand Proverbs and also God's Word. That Proverbs is ancient wisdom, and in that day and time, Israel lived among people. They were known the ancient Near East cultures, the Egyptians, the Mesopotamians, the Babylonians. And what was very common was to hear sages speak and give wisdom. So when the Holy Spirit anointed Solomon... To write the book of Proverbs, the Holy Spirit used pictures and everyday life that was understood by people that were experiencing it. How many understand that? So today, when we explain the Word of God, 
we endeavor to do it with God's help by using language that will help us understand rather than preaching in Latin. So, wisdom and the cultures around that, you will find in the Word of God, the Word of God uses things that were common in every day. For instance, you may or may not know this, but do you know that other ancient cultures also contain a story of a flood that immersed the world? How many know that? Now, let me help you just for a moment. That does not mean, some would say, well, that means the Bible's just one of many literature. No, 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 that does not mean that at all. God's Word presents it because it's written by the Spirit and God breathed in a way that always points back to God as the Creator and the Sovereign One of all the universe. The prevailing thought and culture in that day is that there was not a sovereign God, but there were many gods, and you better pay homage or sacrifice and pick out one of them because if not, something bad was going to happen to you. How many understand that? And so it was the picture was of these warring gods and goddesses and the idea that there was one sovereign God that created all of universe, and the story of the Bible points back up and backwards to God's great love for this universe, his world, his creation for you and me, and it points back to his salvation story, and all of God is what is known as salvation history, bringing us to Jesus Christ. And that's what the great difference is between, uh, between the news accounts, if you would, of that day a flood was a flood was a flood, and some wrote about it, and, but in God's word, it points back to the wondrous magnificence and the sovereignty of God. It's really, really cool. So we're going to look into the book of Proverbs today, and we're going to stop and, and interact with this woman. Her, her name is Wisdom. The first thing I'd like to share with you is that God's wisdom created and sustains the universe. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. As we make this stop, I recall, I recall a day and time when uh, our daughter was attending Wheaton University and I was going to Wheaton to uh, pick her up or drop, drop her off, it must have been, and there was a man by the name of Lyle Schaller and Lyle Schaller for several decades was considered the foremost churchman in America in evangelical circles. He's written over 44 books, hundreds and hundreds of articles. He was a coach, speaker, counselor, really to anybody that was anybody in the evangelical world. And so I called ahead, and, and somehow I got his phone number, his home phone number, and he picked it up. And I said, this is who I am. I'm going to be there. I'd like to stop and see you. Could I make an appointment? And he said, yeah, I'd be glad to see you. So gave me the address. And somehow I was figuring to be in this shiny, modern office building. And it led me to a street with houses built in the 1920s with the ports and the columns. And I said, 
this can't be right. But I went up and I rang the doorbell and this crusty old gentleman in his late 70s with a t-shirt on and his arm, broken arm in a sling said, come on in. I've looked forward to talking with you. And for two and a half hours, I'd literally talk with him as the younger serving the Lord to the elder and in a place of sitting at his feet, if you would. And when we come to the book of Proverbs, as we come and interact, we place ourselves at the feet of God's wisdom and let God pour into our life. In fact, God said, if anyone lacked wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives to all men liberally. The first thing is this, that God's wisdom created and sustains the universe. Verses 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep were broken up and the skies drip with dew. Wisdom is the principle by which God created life and all who lay hold of it are blessed and rewarded. In your notes, wisdom and understanding, they are, or they, they are the DNA that directs all of creation. If I was to ask you this morning for someone to stand to give a succinct definition of DNA, how many are confident you could do that? Must be a teacher right there. Bio teacher? <sighs> All right. Well, thank you. I couldn't do it. So I'm going to read one to you. And Billy, you can tell me, not now, but afterwards, whether this passes or not, okay? And then I'll give you my source. DNA is a molecule, a molecule composed of two chains that coil around each other. Remember seeing pictures of it? Look like a bunch of little ping pong balls all coil around each other. To form a double helix carrying genetic instructions for the development, functioning, growth, and reproduction of all known organisms and is essential for life. How's that? They're pretty close. That pass. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The wisdom of God is the spiritual DNA of everything that he's created. The earth, the world, runs by God's wisdom. And what that means is that God is sovereign over all. And that we can rest in this unchangeable fact because God holds it all together with the integrity of his wisdom. DNA in your body does not change. You're born with that DNA. Is that correct, Billy, Mr. Teacher? Is that right? You're born with that, yeah. Your eye, you're, you're, not that you have a beard, but your ability to grow a beard, you have hair, glass, all of that, length of days, everything. And God is sovereign, and we can rest in that, that he holds it all together. Can someone say, praise God? All together, I love that song that we sang, greater than. Greater than any mountain. Greater than any situation. And I, I, wanna, I believe it's so important today that we, that we rest in and glory in the sovereignty of God. We must be careful that we don't 
begin to copy the ancient Near East cultures who felt that this life was made up of warring gods who were out to get us unless we pay them homage. And I understand spiritual warfare, I absolutely, but I believe, I believe as well as recognizing spiritual warfare, we need to recognize and declare the sovereignty of God in every situation. Is there another amen? Yes. Things aren't going our way, but God is sovereign. Today is dry, but God is sovereign, and the rain will come. Living by God's wisdom brings us under God's umbrella. Verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. God opposes the self-wise who exalt their ways and ignore the wisdom of God. In fact, God's word says the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Towards the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. I want to ask you this morning, where do you want to live? The spirit of this age is, the, is an absolute spirit of foolishness and self-destruction that plays into the hand of the enemy who has one main goal, Jesus said, to kill, to lie, and to steal. To kill our spirituality our relationship with God to make us believe a lie and buy into the wisdom of this world which is not wise, it is foolish and ultimately to steal from us honor and the destiny that God has for us. Wisdom sets down and to the sun. Or the daughter says, listen to me and keep my commandments. A lot like some of you parents will be doing in just a few weeks when your young adults go off to college. You can't tell them anymore, you've got to be home by 10 o'clock. It's up to them now. But I, I, want, to, I want to say something to teenagers and young adults. And I want to say something, I guess, to all of us because there's no fool like an old fool. There are no secrets in this world. And what you put on the internet and what you text and what you post what on Facebook or your Instagram account or your secret accounts, someone knows about it. And it will be used against you at some time. Is there an amen by somebody? Yes. It takes us out from the umbrella of the blessings of God and the protection of God and plays us into the hands of the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and lie and ruin your reputation and have you do things that will disqualify you in the future from the blessings and the destiny that God has for our life. And that applies to both young and old, but there are no secrets anymore. 
I'm so grateful that God forgives. How about you? I'm so grateful for the mercy of God. So grateful for the kindness of God that draws us to himself. So grateful for the church of Jesus Christ that that calls us to love and, and to bear our heart before the Lord. But today, you and I have an opportunity to say, Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my address, and it's called wisdom. I'm going to be in this house, and I'm going to live here, and God, I'm fleeing from the tents of the other one, the tents of the wicked, and God, I'm going to trust myself to you and everything that you have for me, and Lord, what I've done in the past, your word says that you forgive me, and all sins, God, you throw it away, and you put it in the sea of your forgetfulness, and you won't even remember anymore, and God, I'm going to cast myself on you, praise God. That's where I want to head. How about you? And the Lord help me, praise God. The second thing is this, is that by living by God's wisdom brings incredible benefits. Verses, we'll read 15 through 18. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. This is a picture of being guided or led by a woman who is wisdom. Um, my second uh, cataract surgery is this Tuesday, and my wife decided to go to Ecuador. The real truth of it is, I scheduled it then and I forgot she was going to Ecuador. After 45 years of marriage, her hand still comforts me, still reassures me, still reaches over and touches me. Sometimes it's a hard touch, sometimes it's a, oh, that hurts touch. But she guides me and protects me. And often she's sending signals to me in the front row that no one else can see, and I think that's why she sits on the front row. <laughs> Back in the day when we wore ties on Sunday morning, she's going like this, and I, I thought she's saying, like, your tie is too tight, and so I loosened it. And what she meant was like, end it now. End it now, you're in trouble. End the sermon now, you know. But God's word says embrace, lay hold of wisdom. Uh, about seven years, six, seven years ago, I was, uh, I was sitting at staff, and all of a sudden I had this pain that started underneath my shoulder blade, and it came around here and settled right in my chest. And so I, I said to one of the staff, I said, go quick, get aspirin. Because I, I thought, I'm thinking, and I started to get dizzy. Is this, this it? This the big one? Anyone have those moments before in your life? I mean, it's unnerving. And so I think it was Eleanor that did this. The next thing I know, the ambulance 
came, and I'm strapped on a gurney, and they're hooking me up and take me to the hospital. I'm going, no, I don't want to go to the hospital. I'll be all right. Famous last words. And I got to the hospital, and they ran two tests immediately, and the doctor came to me, and they said, we're 95% sure that you've had a heart attack. We have to determine how severe it is. There's one more test to take, and, uh, but your age, the job you have, and your physical stature, which meant you're overweight. Um, and I'm going, oh, God, no, you know. And I'm saying, God, no, 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 I've got more to do for you. Please, this can't be the end, you know, the whole thing. And so they took the test overnight and uh, came back, and it, it said, um, I passed that test. I said, oh, that's good. So I said, that's good. I'm free to go. They said, no, you need heart catheterization. And so they arranged for heart. It was crazy. Anyway, they wanted to do it when I was in the hospital. I said, no, I've got a a flight. I'm going to Atlanta. I'm seeing my grandbaby, and I've never held him before. We're going. And so they said, well, okay. So the next thing I know, we get back, and the taxi picks us up for Sinai. We go down there. And in certain situations, I'm claustrophobic, just am. It's things that I, I don't know about, I can't control. And, and, and so I said, what, what is this heart catheterization deal like? And they started to describe it. And I, I asked the nurse, a nurse came in, and we got there early, and they were like, we're the first ones there. And she said, don't worry, we'll give you something, I'll be with you, that's good, you know. And I said, oh, my and I, my, I went back to, in Springfield, Missouri, they tried to give me an MRI, and they strapped me in that thing and started inserting me in this, tu- this tube, and it's not stopping. And I said, hold it. Stop, stop, stop. What are you do- How far um, are you going to put me in there? And they said, well, we've got to go in pretty far. Your head, I said, that's it. No, let me off. And the guy said, listen, you know, there comes a time you just need to man up. I said, you know, I've been accused of a lot of things, but no one ever accused me of not being a man. And what I really meant, carnality had taken over, and I wished I was back in high school, and we would have just gutted on physically to see who was man. You know what I'm saying? But I held my peace. And so this is what I'm thinking. So the nurse says, she said, would you like to see the room? I said, you'd like to see? I said, oh, that'd be so good. So... This nurse is about 60 years of age. She said, just follow me here. Take my hand. It is so crazy. I'm 60 years old. We're going through the halls with this hospital gown that is inglorious to begin with. And I'm meekly following her like this. And she opens the door. She says, come on in. She said, no, what kind of questions? Could So I asked her. She said, would you like to touch it? I said, I'd love to touch it. So I went over. I touched it. I said, what are these wires for? I looked at it. I went like this. She says, you okay? I said, okay, yeah, that's better. I went back. They put me on the gurney. They took me in there. I, I just went to sleep. Don't remember anything. I came back, and that was it. This is what God's word says. Hold fast to wisdom. She'll lead you. She'll guide you. Because God is the maker of the universe. He knows how we're wired. He knows what we need. And wisdom, she describes it. She said it's wealth that nothing we desire can compare to her. 
wealth is not just the accumulation of money. So many times we hang on to money and our wealth and we try to air condition all of life. Let me ask you, how many lived and survived before the days of air conditioning? Just let me see your hand. All right, well, the church is really getting younger. That's good news. All right. But we hang on to every penny. The big fallacy and the fantasy of every age is that wealth is our own doing. But the Bible is clear that God gives us the ability to gain wealth and he asks us to honor him with it. And so we try to, we try to air condition our way, not just cold air, but we, we try to do everything in life so that it'll be an ideal environment and God knows and he's our provider. Can someone say amen? My grandfather, Frank Gregg, if I would go to Maine, he died in 1955. Upstate Maine, Washburn Maine, had an outstanding reputation. First of all, as a man and a leader in the community, but as a man who loved God. But if I were to go today and say my granddad was Frank Gregg, I'd get a, an honored reception. But my granddad, he went belly up financially in the Great Depression. They had 11 or 12 kids. And he told everyone in town that he would, he would work to his dying day to make sure that he paid them off. My grandfather worked till he was age 75 and cancer took his life. And he lived a long life, a full life, a blessed life, a revered life. And he had the opposite of a vested pension plan. How many know that's a pension plan in reverse? When you're working to pay debts that you've made 20 years ago. And, but nothing that we can desire can ever begin to compare with wisdom. Wisdom is a tree of life. It bestows long life and riches and honor and it was an ancient symbol of goodness and blessing. There was even an ancient poem, and the, the poem was called Old Man Becomes Young. It was about the tree of life. And the tree of life, as we embrace the wisdom of God, and God well, we operate by that. Psalm 1 says that those that trust in God are like the tree that's planted by the living streams of water that even in the dry season, it puts forth its leaf and it bears fruit in the due season. And the tree of life renews itself. I've watched my mom and dad, who will be 89 in August and September, respectively. I've watched young people and people of all ages just flock around them because they've guided their life by the wisdom of God. And that translates. Her ways are pleasant and her paths are peace. It's what I call the shalom life, the full life, the shalom life. And it brings favor from God and people. Verse 1 and 4 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table's tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. It brings favor. The picture that's, that's referred to here is the same one that's found in Jeremiah 31, 2 and 3. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and it said about his people, 
He said, they, they escaped sword, the sword, but they found my grace in the wilderness. And I drew them to me with loving kindness. And church, uh, listen, there's a lot of mess that's going on in this world. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that young people are doing, but the the truth be told, there's a lot of stuff that you and I did when we were young and would to God that no one ever finds out about it. Can someone say amen? Okay, I heard it. It was just under the breath. But what brings the favor of God and man and what in our individual life and the life of the church is that we are people of grace rather than people of the sword. Can someone say amen? That we bind loving kindness around our neck and like God said, my loving kindness drew you to me in the wilderness that when we bind ourselves with loving kindness and mercy, it draws people to us. And I understand I understand accountability and I understand Matthew 5 and I understand Matthew 18 and I understand going to a brother or a sister, but whenever we do it, go in grace and loving kindness and mercy. Yes. Never with the intent, with the sword to bring them down to where they really deserve to be. And God uses that to bless our lives so that we can speak the right word in the right season and it brings the favor of God and the favor of man to our lives. Praise his name. The third thing I want to share with you is what I call wisdom's how-to manual, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord means to trust, to fear, to honor God, to honor Yahweh. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But trust in the Lord and don't lean on your limited understanding. The word lean means don't support yourself with your own understanding. And what it brings, it brings straight paths to our life health and nourishment. Straight paths that's used there is the path that has not only been straight, but it's the path that has been made level, the path that has been filled in, the path where God says that in that day, every mountain that is exalted, I will bring low and every valley I will exhort. So there is a broad way there and a highway there called the Lord's way. The debris has been cleaned out. It allows us to enjoy and to feel the touch of the Lord in our life when we trust in the Lord rather than supporting ourselves in our own strength and our own abilities. This past week, I read the account of John Lindell, who pastors James River Assemblies of God, Springfield, Missouri. John Lindell was our pastor for five or six years and our our family's pastor, We went there when the church was about 3,000 and when we left there to go and be part of a church plant out of James River, they had moved into, we went through a building program and they're about 5,500. They now have 17,000 people in four campuses in Springfield, Missouri. It's a church that has cast, cast a big shadow and had a large impact for God. 
And the one thing that John Lindell has determined in, in all of this, and they, have, they can have the best staff, they, resources are never an option. We, you know, we've, talked about, uh, we've talked about a camera that'll be about $3,000, and we're saying, where can, we, where can we get this with in the middle of all the things that we're doing, and where can we get this? James River has millions of dollars of production equipment. I mean, it, they have it all. But the one thing that John will not back away from is their Wednesday night prayer meeting for the entire church. And when we were there, and at that time, it was about 4,000 people, we would go on Wednesday nights, and there would be 1,500 people in the congregation just softly praying and crying out to the Lord. But what it does, it acknowledges God in all of our ways. It's not in the best staff. It's not in the best pastors. It's not in the best buildings. It's not in the best equipment. But it, only Jesus Christ can build his church. And when we acknowledge the Lord and when we lean on him and we trust in him, it tenderizes our heart and we want him and his sweet presence in our lives and it opens us up so we can feel the presence and the touch of God and God can do his work in miraculous ways. Praise God. And then the psalmist said, honor the Lord with your wealth. Your storehouse will be filled to overflowing. The Lord requires that his people acknowledge him first with the tithe and our substance. He is our source and provider. And you can say, you know, hey, I've done just fine without doing that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. By wisdom, he founded the earth, and this is what he asked us to do by his wisdom. To honor the Lord with the first fruits. Uh, around the church property, there are some blackberry bushes. Anyone knows me knows I, I just love berry pies and fruit pies. If you want to get me to say yes, just bring me a slice of pie. I just love it. For my birthday, Chris made me a, a wild Maine blueberry pie. Oh. Just fill a swimming pool with it. Just, I love it. So there's blackberries around here. We always pick a few to make a couple of pies. I love blackberry pie. But what you notice with the blackberries, and they're thorny, they're more mess to pick than any other berry I know or fruit. Blueberries are the best. There's no thorns, there's no stems. You just pick them and eat them. That's all there is to it. No, you don't, no, no, no mess. But on that, on that blackberry, on the end of it, there's always... The first fruit is the biggest, the sweetest, it seems the juiciest. It's big. It's big as the end of your thumb. And then around us, these little things of maybe four to six little things, and they're smaller, blackberries are just as good, but they're not that big plump one. And the big plump one is the first fruit, and it gets right first. And when you're picking, when you're picking, I'm, t I'm so tempted, I just want to put every one in my mouth and none in the basket. And what the Lord says, honor me with the first fruits. And I'll make sure you have more blackberry pie than you could ever eat. That's how it works. It's the wisdom of God. 
I mentioned my granddad. He died satisfied, a long life, honored and revered. Their house was a generous house. You never knew who was coming home for dinner on Sundays. And that's what he's known for. And I want to end with these scripture verses. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you'll walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. How wonderful words. Wonderful words. That's the end of what the Lord promises to us as we embrace his wisdom and say, Lord, this is where I want to live, right here. Praise his name. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning with me.